We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a receiver Henry a heavy version of the podcast today. I'm going to have James Coe from Reception Perception joining us. Going to talk all things receivers. We're going to talk a little comedy and how I'm not funny, but he is, and he has to be at a, on a regular basis. All that and more on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here. I am here with uh, former DirecTV and NFL Network guy, now Reception Perception, four-time Emmy winner, James Coe. You can follow him on Twitter, at James D. Coe. Uh, and, of course, catch him at Reception Perception. Catch him on his YouTube channel. You name it, he's there. James, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Jeff, man, it's a huge honor to be on the program. And, uh, and yeah, happy to be here, man, talking to you about fantasy football. What could be better, man, as we fast approach week number one? Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's crazy that this is our living uh and it, and it has been <laughs> for a long time and that's the amazing part yeah it really is nuts I, I mean you think about um you know i've been covering now fantasy football professionally here for what 10 years now um and i tell you even even when i first got that nfl network gig i just i'm like how how is this a job this is craziness it's craziness to me so no we're, we're definitely blessed to be doing what we're doing exactly so how did you get into it well, I've been playing fantasy football for 25 years, um, and, yep. uh, and again, it just became like a – it's funny because 25 years ago, fantasy football was um, – you know, it, for me, it was, it was basketball, it was baseball, and then it was football. Uh, that's just how it was. Um, I remember I first got into, into fantasy sports through baseball. I mean, I, I feel like that's like a common – I feel like uh, people our age, like baseball fantasy just made so much sense back in the day. Um, but yeah, and then we just, and then slowly, but surely just football, football, football became a bigger, bigger portion of, uh, of what I spent my time doing, um, in terms of like my passion for fantasy sports. And then, yeah, look, I, I started my career in TV and I was, you know, doing, you know, different journalism type things. And, uh, I appreciate you mentioned some of the accolades, but yeah, I won some journalistic awards along the way. And then. Uh, when I had an opportunity to um, to speak with the folks over at NFL Network, I'm like, yo, I am a huge fantasy football nerd. Uh, and I think I could be a huge asset uh, for what you guys do there. And, and so, yeah, I was over there for four and a half years and, um, and, and made some lifelong connections over there, too. 
That's awesome. And you did great work on direct TV, uh, you know, you. part of the, uh, the Sunday package there. I'll tell you what, that's gotta be hard. Uh, doing live, uh, you know, analysis during live games and, yeah. you know, trying to make sure people go to you instead of like red zone or go, you know, you got you have the fancy zone itself and all that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, all the connections you got to make over the time though, it had to be pretty amazing. I, to be honest with you. So fantasy zone was, it's the best job I've ever had in my entire life. Um, you know, we did that for five years, or at least I did it for five years. The show I think was on for 10. Um, but five best five years of my life, man, we had an absolute blast and it's funny, you know, I could say this now that, you know, the, the show's now not on direct TV now, but, uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's the best. It was the best fantasy show. It's the best sports show. I think no one watched, you <laughs> know? Um, and, and it's like, yeah, like, we just had fun. We just, we just always had fun. That was like our number one directive was just have fun uh, doing this thing. And I think if you gave us, you know, 45 minutes of your time, it's like you'd come back. It's just absolutely. We, didn't, we just didn't get a lot of promotional push on it. Um, and yeah, it was just people were confused by what they were watching sometimes. You know, it's like, wait, is this red zone? Is this not red zone? It's like, no, it's not. It's red zone, but we're talking fantasy football. What could be better? What could exactly. be better? Yeah, exactly. Was, and, you know, yeah, sometimes you, you, you need a break from other commentary and you can get get the fancy specific commentary. And here's the thing. It's a super crowded marketplace. It's really hard to distinguish yourself. It's really hard to kind of make your mark. Uh, you know, we got lucky when we started. I mean, I, I've been doing this, you know, Roto News before RotoWire started in 1997. Yeah. So wow. uh, it was easier then than first to market. <laughs> now they're, right. everybody's got an opinion. Everybody, it, the accessibility to media is different you have to find ways to be different and you know it's difficult to be funny i you know and <laughs> you know that's something you've mastered yeah. and you know it, it's not an easy thing to do people try all the time but it's hard to do well thank you very much i appreciate you saying that yeah no listen we had a we, like i said we genuinely had an amazing time uh doing what we did and i think if you were a fan of myself or if you were a fan of the show you understand that we did a lot of comedic skits involving fantasy football and my my whole objective with that stuff is like, let's just have fun with it. And if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, but I am going to like it's like for me, it was like you're sneaking in vegetables when you when you start talking about advanced stats, you know, because that's the, that's the thing about my skits is that you would watch it and I would give some relatively high level analysis in there. It's just I snuck it in. Right. Behind, like, you know, me acting an absolute clown. Like, we'd be in front of a green screen doing, like, an Indiana Jones bit. We, we would be, like, doing, like, a Batman and Joker bit. But it's, like, every now and again, I would hit you with, like, air yards per target or, like, you know, slot percentage or, like, slot matchup um, data. You know, it's, it's just – so it was, like, funny to, to be able to kind of sneak all that stuff in. And, and, like, a lot of times, you know, I got this comment of, like, I don't know what I watched – but I liked it, you know, and I think yeah. that's kind of what we were aiming for with some of these skits, man. How long would it take you to from like start to finish, like coming up with the idea, doing the script, filming and all that? How would it take to do a skit? Um, yeah, I think people would be surprised by how bare bones um, our, our crew was. It was myself. It, I had a, um, a producer, a creative producer and DJ Spar, who you guys have seen in a lot of these videos. We had one camera guy and uh an audio guy and an editor and okay. we turned that around in like 48 hours you know so that's basically 
we would shoot on Tuesday and it would be, you know, it would be up and going by Wednesday night. You know, so I was just watching a few of them uh, on your YouTube yeah. page uh, actually before this here. I love the, the fantasy cops one. Actually. I thought that was oh, hilarious. Oh my God. We, you, you know, that actually took a little bit longer to film because we kept busting and we kept breaking on every take. Yeah. You know? So we actually had that. That was, yeah. The, the fantasy cops one, man, we just had an absolute blast. If you guys haven't seen this, I would I, look, it still holds up, man. It's like, it's good stuff. If you guys would go, want to go check it out on YouTube, it's, it's right there. Yeah. Uh, it does hold up for sure. It, it was, it was amazing. Um, and is that the one that went over the most? What's, what's like, what do you feel like is your signature work? Yeah. The fantasy cops one definitely got the most reaction, uh, I would say from people, you know, and, um, and, and it's just, it's because it's such a simple concept. It's like everyone has seen cops, you know, and then it's yeah. like, and then it's like, then you mix in some fantasy stuff. And like, you know, I thought that resonated well with a lot of people. I, I mean, and again, people, anytime you, you, you know, you hit the classics, people love it. You know, you start talking about Batman or if you start talking, I did a die, uh, a die, uh, we called it die yards, you know, but it's like a die hard parody. And I think that really hit with a lot of people too. That was probably, I would say that was, I think die yards was one of our two or three most watched, um, bits of all time. Surprisingly, I'll give you a backstory. Uh, though I won an award, an FSWA award for fantasy, Bob Ross and fantasy, Bob Ross, you talk about something that hits, like fantasy Bob Ross would consistently do really good numbers. Um, and I was always surprised by that. The first time we shot fantasy Bob Ross, we do the whole thing. And I, and I asked the guys, I'm like, guys, I don't know if this is, I don't even know if this is any good. I'm like, is this even, is this even funny? Like I have no clue because when you're filming it, um, it's, it's really quiet, understated, you know, it's Bob Ross, you know? So like, there's very little laughing or whatever. It's like, you know, you got to carry it with just like facial expressions and stuff. And yeah, I have no idea if it's going to hit anyways. It right. was so random that we ended up doing that. And that ended up being probably our most successful in terms of like views and, you know, um, interactions. That's probably our, our number one bit. Was there a bit that you did that you thought, hey, I really nailed this one. It's going to be great. And then it didn't pop. Oh, God, I don't know. I, I really liked doing Mad Fantasy. So this is like a Jim Cramer spoof. I really like doing those because it's like very performative and I can add a lot more like information in those bits, too. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, the, I think at some point that people it, it's like those are the ones where I went to it a lot. And I just think after a while, people are like, all right, we get the bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but it didn't matter. I still did it just because I like doing it. And, you know, who cares? You know yeah. I mean? so, Listen, I used to do a bit on our one? Sirius XM show. Uh, it's the stupidest thing ever, but it, it just clicked with people. Uh, chances to win right before, like, the, you know, on our Monday under Monday show with the Monday night game. Like, basically, go to any Yahoo or ESPN or any other platform page and they'll show you the percentage. But people like to have just that reassurance and, you know, yeah. an expert's opinion on it there. And so they give us sure. the information, like, who's playing PPR or not and all that. And Liz would come up with a precise percentage, which was totally made up out of the air. And people say, this is dumb. But other people, people would keep calling, people would keep tweeting. It's like, okay, totally. it worked. Okay. That's it's great. The, it's the interaction. I think that it's the, it's the interacting with the fans part. I think that yep. really resonates with people, you know? So I don't know, man, we did a bunch of stuff. We did like info fantasy infomercials that we kept going to again and again and again. We did movie spoofs. We did like 
you know, TV bits and everything. So no, nah, I mean, it was like, for us, it was a lot of fun. Five years, we did over a hundred skits, you know? Yep. Um, and, and so, yeah, like, and if people would ask, like, do you ever like run out of ideas? Like, no, as a matter of fact, we knew our show wasn't coming back. And I still, I have like a, two pages of stuff that like I could hit, <laughs> you know what I mean? That we didn't do, but we still had ideas for, you know, that we just never ended up getting to. So, um, but no, it was a lot of fun, man. And um, honestly, best time of my life. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So now you're with Reception Perception. Um, mm-hmm. Tell everybody what you're doing there. And for those who don't know this, I, mean, I think most people do, but in case people don't, uh, let everybody know what it's all about. So obviously, um, Reception Perception is the child, uh, is the baby of Matt Harmon, uh, who a lot of folks know. He's one of the lead analysts there over at Yahoo Sports. Uh, he and I have been friends since our NFL Network days um, from way back. Um, so we've known each other for a long time. We, we, we've remained friends. And when he told me that he was going to start a standalone site, um, I was like, Hey man, I got to invest, you know, let me, let me, let me buy some stake into your company. Let me help you build this thing. Um, and we're going to year number three now, uh, of the website being its own standalone product and, and it's doing pretty well, you know? Uh, so he and I have a great synergy, a good chemistry, knowing each other. I, I handle a lot of the things on the back end from a business perspective and like a, you know, editor in chief style uh, role with the website. Um, so yeah, I've taken on more of like a leadership role, I think really with the website and less of a content role uh, with reception perception. Now that being said, obviously, you know, we, uh, we now have a podcast. I, I would love for people to go check it out. We straddle the line, Jeff, um, between like real football and fantasy football. So we do talk some fantasy, but honestly, it's probably like 75% just talking regular football. Um, yeah, but that always ports over, right? You know, it that's does. All- it does. hundred yeah. percent. Uh, and so like for, that's what we do. You know, we generally talk regular football and you know, maybe there'll be a couple throw in things about fantasy. I mean, he and I have obviously made our bones doing fantasy football, you know? So it's like, we can't get away from that. But yeah. he and I both just love the game. And, and I think that's really, and I would hope that that's what comes out in the podcast. So um, anyway, so that's, that's the, the website receptionperception.com. We added quarterback charting this year. Um, Derek Klassen, who we brought on, um, as like a writer for us, uh, is doing quarterback charting. Uh, we've got, you know, 20 plus profiles up on the site right now. We didn't increase prices a dime, you know, uh, and we're just getting quarterback charting now in addition to wide receiver stuff. And, and honestly, I, it's, we're having a good time with it, man. And the business is growing and, and we're really happy. Awesome. That's great to hear. We're going to talk about some of the, uh, metrics you use, some of the, uh, things that, uh, reception perception does. First, though, we've got to do a little business, uh, talk, talk, uh, with our, talk about our friends at Circa and what they're up to. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Las Vegas are back and bigger than ever with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with 100% pay back to players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home $100,000 booby prize. With quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million is guaranteed. Also, join Circus Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20-0 and be the last person standing to win it all. $8 million guaranteed. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com for details. 
Nick Whelan and I will be out at Circa tomorrow and Friday to do shows from there to help promote their contest. They're looking forward to that. Um, also, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here's a couple of their ads real quick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for your indulgence with that. I'm with James, All James good. Coe, which you can follow him on Twitter at James D. Coe. Uh, you can also check him out at Reception Perception, his YouTube channel, the Reception Perception podcast as well. Lots of places to find James. James, let's talk about how you go about evaluating wide receivers. Because I think that's, I, I think there's a lot of noise out there. And I think there's a lot of metrics that are illustrative. And it's not just metrics also. What, what to you is, are some of the driving factors when you're evaluating a wide receiver? Yeah, so this is all charting done by the best wide receiver evaluator in the game today, in my personal opinion, in Matt Harmon. He's been doing it for so long. He's seen so many guys. He's gone through so much data. He's seen, I can promise you, this guy. there's not a person on planet Earth who has seen more wide receiver routes than Matt Harmon. Um, and, and he breaks down 60 to 70 players each and every year. Um, and he gives you, you know, uh, you know anywhere between 6 to 10 game samples uh, on these guys, right? Um, and what he has found is he breaks it down by route. Um, and so you do have to be a little bit of a football nerd um, to kind of fully appreciate what he does. But, yeah, he just basically breaks down a route tree, you know, the corner nine post, out dig, comeback curl, slant flat screens, and just and says, okay, did you win the route? Uh, and if you won the route, then he marks it down, right? Um, and so basically what he has done is he's broken it down into success rates. Like how successful, what, at what rate are you successful at running a dig route? What success rate are you, uh, are, are you at running a corner or a slant? And so because he's broken it down in this very unique way, um, you get a real sense as to where players are good. Uh, and I think that's the power of reception perception is that you really under start to get a very nuanced understanding of what makes certain players good in certain areas and where they need improvement. Very cool. Um, and that requires kind of a trained eye. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the background. Not everybody has the bandwidth to do that sort of thing. Oh, I mean, again, Matt is such, this guy's, uh, he's a unique individual. And, and, and I say that he's like a freak. I mean, let's be real. This guy's a freak. Who is sitting there breaking down individual wide receiver plays at this level? It's so, like, just, I mean, just so granular. It's unbelievable uh, the level of detail that he pours into this thing. You know what I mean? So uh, 
I know that I don't have the bandwidth to do that. I, I don't have the patience uh, to do that, to mark all this stuff down. I mean, you should see this guy's spreadsheets, man. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So, um, no, Matt is, is a very unique individual. Um, you have to have a certain mindset for it and, uh, and a certain passion for it as well. And luckily for us, man, there, there's nobody more passionate about route running uh, than Matt Harmon. And, and, and again, in my humble opinion, man, he, he's the best wide receiver evaluator uh, in the game today. If one is uh, reading your site and you, you say you're in a little bit of a hurry, what's the key thing you're looking for the most? Like what, what's the best trait a wide receiver can have? Is there a particular route run or is there a particular grade that you're looking for? What, what are you looking for the most when you're trying to do a quick shorthand here? Yeah, you know, I do this all the time with his stuff, as a matter of fact. You know, you could sit there for hours and break down all the routes and, and see who's good at what route and all this, these other things. But um, if you were to just, like, just do a quick look as to who is good against man coverage and then who is great against zone coverage, uh, I think those are the two metrics I think that – um, success rates versus coverage, I think, is probably your best shortcut to figure out who's truly good uh, in the NFL. Now, uh, Jeff, look, we know that when it comes to wide receivers, the, truly the, the best metric is targets. I, I mean, we could talk about air yards. You could talk about, you know, points per route run. You could talk about all these great things. But at the end of the day, it's all about targets. You know, if a guy's seeing 10 targets a game, you could almost guarantee this guy's going to be a good fantasy asset for you, right? Right. What That means he's getting open. That means that the quarterback is seeing him. Exactly. And I think that is what reception perception does, right? One of the, themat one of the themes that we have for the website is we tell you who's good before they're good, right? So who is these guys that are going to get the targets? Because what happens with targets? You got to earn the targets. Jeff, you nailed it right on the head. You got to earn targets are you getting yourself open are you creating separation that's what matt Harmon's work does in terms of figuring out who are these guys that maybe statistically have not popped yet but man they're so good at getting separation at some point they're going to earn targets and, and that's really what you look at that's why when we look at uh, success rates versus man coverage and or success rates versus zone coverage. These are the guys that earn themselves looks in an offense. Right. And because of Matt's work, I was a little bit on Jahan Dotson last year. He, mm. he did a lot good breakdown of that. Talked about his route running skills. I mean, because, you know, because Penn State receivers, they may not get as many chances as, as other schools in terms of the volume. But you can right. see that he was beating coverage. So that would pour it over pretty well to the pros. Sure enough, when he when Dotson health was healthy, it did. I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, like that's the problem in terms of watching some of these guys play at a collegiate level. You know, it's like maybe statistically they don't produce. Uh, and again, generally, when you're watching the game highlights, what are you really watching? You're watching when the ball gets delivered to a certain player and maybe possibly um, look Penn State's quarterbacking situation when Jahan Dotson was there it was abysmal. Right. So if a quarterback's thrown late or behind, is that a the wide receiver's fault? No. Right. So that's really where Matt is able to kind of separate. He really, truly separates. Uh, he watches these guys at the line of scrimmage. Are you winning at the line of scrimmage? Are you winning at the stem of the route? That's really what he's watching for. He doesn't care about the quarterback play. You know, he completely divorces himself of the quarterback play uh, and just says, is this guy winning the route? And if he is, boom, great. 
and so again, you talk about you know skills translating over to the NFL. That was Dotson, right? Like the guy's getting open at an extremely high rate. Was great against man coverage. Uh, pretty good against zone. Not as great. Not not great against zone, but but good enough. But you knew that his man, you know, his man beating scores were going to translate well to the NFL. And, and as you mentioned, they have. Yeah. And that's why I kind of really I'm on him again this year because I, I don't know what Sam Howell's going to do. I, I can't promise anything in that respect, but I know Dotson can play. Um, you bring up a great point, you know, just in terms of the fact that, OK, Dotson's most likely going to get open. Uh, and especially now with this, by the way, now with this Terry McLaurin toe injury, that scares yeah. the bejesus out of me, man. Like, right. How many times have we seen great players just absolutely derailed by a toe, a lingering toe injury? I'm hoping that's not the case for F1, man. I'm really hoping because I love Terry McLaurin, the player. Um, and by the way, Washington, Sam Howell and Washington, they need Terry McLaurin to play at a high level. Um, he's, I think, uh, we all love the new thing, new, the new kid on the block, and that's Jahan Dotson. But let's be real. Make no mistake. Uh, Terry McLaurin is the straw that stirs that drink. Right. You know what I mean? He's their best offensive player. Dotson may get there, but he's not there yet. Um, but, but both of them running together as a tandem boy that that gets really scary then you throw in curtis samuel as well boy it's a it's a wide receiver room jeff that i think they've got in washington that a lot of teams would be envious of absolutely um you know we throw i mean throw in uh you know curtis samuel is a is a slot guy you know logan thomas for the six games he's healthy um gibson <laughs> former receiver you know right. came out this summer and said he wished he stayed as a receiver but uh you know I don't blame him for that. You spe spe right. especially as we see how running backs are getting treated in this league. So you can see that yeah, for sure. But yeah, there's a lot of ability there. It's just a question. Can it translate? And do they have an offense that allows for it? I think that's the other question. Yeah. When I look at, by the way, going back to Dotson, you know, again, when we talk, start talking about like, okay, well, what is this guy doing? Um, look, he was 60th percentile uh, against man coverage and he was 64th percentile against zone. Now, those are both slightly above average um, NFL scores. But again, that's as a rookie, right? So he's got a lot of, uh, I think he's got some room to grow. And I think from an explosion standpoint, I think we saw a lot of explosiveness in his game. So I think he's got the skill set to truly develop as a player. I'm wondering what that's going to look like uh, here in year number two. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him again. We generally don't see huge jumps uh, in success rates versus man and zone coverage, but for certain players we do, and I think Dotson in particular, um, under this Eric Bieniemy scheme and slightly improved quarterback play with Sam Howell, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we did see his coverage scores go up. You know, ten percent going into year number two. So now we're talking about a guy who's seventieth percentile versus man, maybe seventy-fifth percentile versus zone. And if we can get that, oh boy, now we're talking about guys that. You know, we're, we're talking top 20 guys in the NFL, and that's Dotson, man. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm with everybody else. Everyone yeah. loves Jahan Dotson right now. I'm with everybody else. I think he's got a real chance to, to really explode here in year number two. And I still love Terry McLaurin in the fourth, too. It's my safe receiver there. I, love, I like getting him there a lot. Uh, oh, Ultrafire asks, where do you get those percentile stats? Uh, James was talking about the methodology earlier. Uh, that's through Matt Harmon. Doing the doing the film work, doing putting in the time, putting in the work. He does it so we don't have to. <laughs> That's correct. Um, and so, yeah, if you want to go check it out, we've got sortable stats and uh, and obviously uh, full player profile write ups on all the on, on on all the players that we have stats on. 
Um, so again, we're talking, you know, 65, 70 wide receivers. We're going to have, uh, we just had a quarterback. So now we're going to have uh, somewhere around 25 uh, quarterback profiles up too. Can I talk about Terry McLaurin really quick? Because of I know course. a lot of people want to talk about Dotson and say, Oh, Dotson, he's, he's going to be the number one. And, and I started the show, Jeff, by saying, Hey, he's got a ways to go to catch up to Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin is that good. We're talking about a guy that has an 81st percentile score against man. Right. And this is a guy that's got, you know, uh, when we start talking about uh, individual routes, you know, 83% success rate on the slant route, 92% success rate on the curl, nearly 70% success rate on the nine. And this guy's just an absolute phenom when it comes to the corner route as well. So this is a guy that can beat you short on the slants. He could beat you intermediate on the comebacks and curls. And then he's beating you over the top with the nines and corners, right? Um, great against man coverage, not not the best against zone, 43rd percentile versus zone. But again, that may be more of an indication of his role in the offense. Do they ask him to go deeper? That's going to lower your zone score, right? Because, you know, zones, especially cover two nowadays, designed specifically take 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 deep shots away. So, um, so some of that, it, it, you know, you have to calculate into some of these zone scores. But, man, listen. 81st percentile versus man that's when you're talking now we're talking borderline top 12 you know receiver in the nfl indeed man so many great receivers coming out of ohio state the last five years uh, you know alave we're gonna see harrison next year oh uh, that's the one. Oh my god he looks amazing he does he does can't wait but it's just they they've i think they're recruiting and developing well there because we yeah, just had right. they just keep rolling them out so uh, i like seeing it there Let's. Uh, I know this is going to be pulling teeth to get you to talk about Calvin Ridley, but let's go ahead and talk a little Calvin Ridley. Uh, hard to hard to figure out what to expect with him after him missing such a big chunk of time. We don't have perhaps the data, the the, the film work that we did. Right. You know, he missed so much time last year, and things circumstances were so difficult too. What do you expect out of Calvin Ridley this year? You know, he has looked great in camp, uh, and for me when we start talking about wide receivers, we really on, on our particular podcast, really talking about roles, right? So the slot, it's like people understand it's like, Oh, outside linebacker is different than middle linebacker. But a lot of people don't understand is that slot receiver is very different than playing outside X receiver, which is different than playing flanker receiver, right? Can you beat press coverage? If you could beat press coverage really well, okay, you're suited to play. You can at least, we at least know that you can play the X right? Um, are you good at beating zone? And if you're not, well, playing slot receivers, probably not for you, right? right. So it, it requires a little bit of a different skill set. When I think about Calvin Ridley uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he slots in and just fills a role, right? They were getting by with just a, you know, compilation of guys, right? And Trevor Lawrence really developed here in year number two to kind of sort of, I think, lift all boats. But no matter no matter how you want to paint this wide receiver room, look, at the end of the day, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, it's like, who are these guys? Like, Christian Kirk had some moments in Arizona. They paid him a big contract to come to Jacksonville. But if he's playing with someone not named, like one of the not top eight quarterbacks in the league, what is Christian Kirk really doing? You know, uh, what is Zay Jones, for God's sakes, doing? I mean, even the corpse of Evan Ingram was resuscitated by Trevor right. Lawrence here. You know what I'm saying? So 
when Calvin Ridley comes in, we already know this guy has the traits to be a true number one wide receiver. Um, and so all these other guys can then slot into their more natural. Christian Kirk can now be a, a great number two. Zay Jones can be a great number three. Um, and that's really, I think he's going to bring a lot more balance to that offense because these guys can then just play in their more natural positions. And that's what we're really excited about. But yeah, in terms of what Matt has charted for Ridley, though, look, 87th percentile versus man. Okay, that's in 2021. Obviously, limited sample size. He didn't. I don't even think he played six games. So limited sample, 87th percentile score versus man. That is, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And I think all the training camp reports and stuff like that for Ridley, um, you know, they're 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 looking good. They're glowing, man. So I, I'm 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 all in on Ridley. Uh, he's somebody that could certainly outperform ADP, and his ADP continues to rise. Indeed, it does. Uh, and, you know, we're getting I'm starting to see him go in the second round in some 12 teamers, oh. uh, especially the three receiver leagues, things of that PPR leagues for that uh, things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, right now, he's certainly going to be a top 50 player. Um, we know that. Uh, and it's just like, how high is he going to go? You know, on on four for fours ADP site, um, you know, they've got him, what, 37th overall, the wide, or excuse me, the 36th overall wide receiver, 16 just ahead of Debo Samuel and just after DK Metcalf. But that's, again, that is a, an aggregate score, right? So depending on what site you go to, yeah. um, NFL's got them ranked as high as, you know, 31st overall. So, you know, again, just depending on, on where you go, you're going to, you may have to, to pay up uh, to really secure the services of, of Calvin Ridley. Yeah. You're talking about second round. I, at first, I, I was like kind of balking at that, but you know, at 24 overall or 23 or 22 overall, I, th- that might be what it takes. That well, might I, I've got uh, NFFC beat Jeff Erickson draft tonight, and I do have the, the first pick, so I'm going Jefferson, and then I got to figure go. out what I'm going to do, like who's going to be there, because I then I go 24 and then 36, so right, you know, it, it's kind of tricky there as far as some of who's going to be who's going to. A lot of it depends on who's going to follow me, but I don't have a problem starting receiver receiver and. But then again, I, we'll see how it runs out. I did a draft last night on the this, the channel, the Sirius XM channel, and we were doing that. I was drafting in the 3-6 spot, and Ridley was gone. Higgins was gone. Mm. Uh, DK Metcalf was gone. And then there was a drop to, to the next one, which was Debo, and I'm a little wary of him at that spot. I agree. Uh, by the way, we talk about you know man versus zone. Debo, really, honestly, not that great against man, but right. just a phenomenal player against zone coverage. And Cooper Cup the same way. Right. So that's why when you start talking about, you know, when you go to the site and, and maybe somebody like, you know, Cooper Cup, not that great against man coverage. Um, but, you know, obviously, well, that doesn't line up with his statistics. And it, well, it's like, yeah, but he's like one of the best zone beaters, you know, the NFL's ever seen. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? So and Debo's of that of that same ilk, too. Um, but that's also why somebody like Debo, who's not great against man, but terrific against zone, there's sometimes lulls. Uh, in his game logs, right? Because again, uh, you know, so much of his game is predicated not only on beating zone, but then also the yak yardage. Right. And as we exactly. know in the NFL, it's really hard to get yak yardage, you know? So that's why I think, you know, sometimes you'll see Debo uh, be an up and down player. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's kind of a unicorn too. The way they kind of he get is. the find ways to get him the ball that d- different yeah. than other receivers, you know, you know, they, they kind of pioneered the different ways to get, you know, get them in the running game, you know, and the, the various types of different jet sweeps that they run, things right. of that nature. Um, yep, 100%, uh, man. A lot of teams can't do that. 
Uh, so it, it's interesting. Although I thought it was hilarious last year that the Chiefs of all teams ran the jet, jet sweeps just as effectively at the Niners last year. That was the Miko <laughs> Hardman game. That is such a good point. That is so I, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. No, they, they figured out ways. Uh, that, and that goes back to just the, you know, just the genius of some of these guys, you know, like we know Shanahan's a great, you know, schematic dude, Andy Reed, arguably the best to ever do it from a schematic standpoint. I mean, if you think about what he's doing with the receivers that he's got, come on. I mean, it's just yeah. not fair. I mean, you that's why when they had Tyreek, they were doing special things because they had a special player running in a special system. Now they've got a bunch of nobodies. They, they got no one out there um, doing those special things. I, I mean, Kelsey, obviously, but, you know, you'd love to see somebody uh, other than from it, that actually wears a wide receiver uniform. Uh, do some special things for Kansas City. I don't know. Exactly. We'll and the secret, the kind of the funny little thing is they've kind of missed on a few wide receiver draft picks, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, the jury's still out on Sky Moore, obviously. It's too, way too soon on that. But, yeah. you know, Hardman never really worked out. Uh, now they've invested another second-round pick this year in Rasheed Rice. You know, we'll see about these guys. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny that, you know, Hill worked out famously, obviously. And I think, I think, I think Reed's system is hard to pick up. I think yeah. that has something to do with it. But – you know, it just shows drafting's kind of hard. <laughs> You're totally right. By the way, I love the f- the fact that you bring up Andy Reid's system is kind of hard to pick up. I really believe this goes back to Sky Moore, but I mean, go back to Tyreek Hill or even Travis Kelsey or whoever, go to whatever receiver you want. The first year they're in that system, they struggle a bit, you know, yep. and especially for a rookie, I don't think rookies have ever done very well in an Andy Reid system, right? So that's why I think there's a lot to, to like about Sky Moore. Uh, he started to come on. Uh, you know, he had that one game where he filled in for, for Juju, uh, looked pretty good there. But he's got traits, Jeff, that I think he, obviously he can play in the slot, obviously. Uh, but I think he does have some traits where he could play a little off the line as a flanker too. Um, and if he can do that, he becomes a, a much more interesting piece, a much more movable chess piece in that Andy Reid system. And then yep. to me, I think the longer you can stay on the field with Mahomes, the better it's going to be, man. So for me, I think Sky Moore is certainly one of these guys that, that I've targeted later in drafts. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. We're going to talk about reception perceptions, uh, view of some of the rookie receivers in this year's class. But first, a couple of quick notes from our sponsors. Uh, first, from Rival Fantasy, if you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games, Without the huge tournaments, salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to compete achievements, complete achievements, and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges where you'll pick two, which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. We also had a new sponsor this week, a Fantasy Sports Knockout. Think you've got fantasy football figured out? Think again. Introducing Fantasy Sports Knockout, a new survivor fantasy league that's worth the challenge. A season-long tournament where every week matters. Strategize, draft, survive. High effort with even higher stakes. Because who likes losing? Draft your lineup. Use any players you want. But be careful. You can only use each player once. The lowest scoring entry is eliminated each week. The concept is simple. Survival is not. Stop losing. Start surviving in the only league where skills are tested and strategy pays off. 
Learn more at survive.fantasysportsknockout.com slash rotowire. Fantasy Sports Knockout is available for real money in certain states, but anyone can play in a user-created league. So if you think you know your you know fantasy, prove it. Visit survive.fantasysportsknockout.com slash rotowire today. I'm here with James Coe from Reception Perception. We're going to talk some Ricky wide receivers here, and we'll probably do this a little bit of a lightning round uh, th- uh, per, uh, format here, and then we'll get you out with a couple quick questions. Start off with uh, Jordan Addison. Um, yeah, speedy player, both on the field and elsewhere. Um, what, what do you, what's your take <laughs> on him and his route running skills? Uh, yeah, listen, I think Jordan Addison, um, is a, is a fine player. He's, he's pretty good. Um, you know, when we talk about success rate versus man, he, he clears that 70% threshold. So 71%, um, success rate versus man from his collegiate tape, 80% success rate versus zone, which is about, um, you know, the collegiate average, uh, when we're talking about prospects, I, from the bottom line is though, Jeff, I almost think that almost no number matters really when it comes to Addison, because other than J you know, Justin Jefferson, Addison's going to, you know, walk into just moonwalk into a hundred plus targets, you know, from a, a rookie wide receiver profile. It's like, I don't even know if anything else matters, you know, like the guy can play a little bit. We know he's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's got some, you know, some holes in his game overall. He's not the best athlete in the world. But from a fantasy perspective, in, in 2023, forget about it. Jordan Addison should be the first rookie off the board just because he's going to see so much volume. No concern about K.J. Osborne? Uh, you know, the Green Goblin, you know, he concerns me a bit. But again, I think he's going to be the third receiver in three wide receiver sets. So when they go 11 personnel, I think we'll see a little bit of Osborne. Uh, but overall, I think Addison can play, should play, from the jump in two wide receiver sets. And, and again, um, you know, with Kirk cousins there, it's not like they're going to be super conservative with the football. I mean, there's going to be 500 targets to go around and, you know, Justin Jefferson can see, I don't know, 170 fine, but then, you know, how, how are we splitting up the other, you know, 400, whatever targets it is. Right. So um, I, I think Addison will again, see anywhere between, you know, a hundred like 95 to 110 targets in year number one quentin johnson on the uh on the chargers johnston is an interesting one you know um he was really good against man coverage 75 percent success rate versus man coverage uh from college which was the third best uh mark among all the prospects that's really good um and we know that he's like a yak guy too uh just unbelievable straight line speed um i the drops concern me though and and to be honest with you jeff i think the catch rate is or lack thereof concerns me as well he's a body catcher you know you don't really see him ever high point the football we saw that too in the preseason play out you know where he's alligator arming a lot of these catches that's i don't know that's not great um so again even though he was great against man in um in the collegiate profile uh, you do have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Big 12, again, you know, not the best uh, defensive conference that you'll find. Um, so, again, I, I, I like the player, but he does need to develop. The catch radius thing just concerns me a lot, you know. You, to be yeah. that size and not to be able to high point the ball, what are we really doing? You know, he's playing so much smaller than his size which would suggest. This is different than the Jamar Chase preseason drops, right? 
Correct. Where Jamar, by the way, Jamar Chase in those preseason drops, he was just wide open. So yeah. he's creating unbelievable separation. The ball comes in and he drops it. I'm not as worried about that, right? It's these mm-hmm. it's these contested catch guys where they're going to struggle against you know press coverage, especially on the outside, which is where Quentin Johnson needs to live. He needs to live as an outside X receiver. Um, and a lot of these balls that are going to get thrown up his way, he he does have to you know, jump up and, and high point some of these footballs because I just don't think he's that level of a route runner where, you know, he's stacking guys and, and winning at the stem that, that often. So, yeah, you're right. It's completely different than Jamar Chase. Another Ohio State receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He has the wrist injury. We just found out he'll probably have to have surgery, might miss a week or two at the beginning of the start of the season. What's your take on him on his skills? JSN is a perfect fit for what, you know, Seattle wants to get done. He's should be, you know, again, the starting slot receiver, Geno Smith, by the way, if you want to read a, a really interesting quarterback profile on him, go find it on the site receptionperception.com. but he's the real deal. Geno Smith is the real deal. Um, our, our findings found that, you know, again, he was literally arguably the most accurate passer um, in the NFL when you adjust for, for, for depth and, and ranges and all those kind of things. Right. Wow. Um, he was great. He was fantastic. So it was the receivers being great and fantastic, but you know what? Geno Smith was fantastic too. Um, but what they never had and what they haven't had in, in ages is a reliable slot man. That's where JSN fits in. Plus he has traits that allow him to be a good outside receiver too. We know that Tyler Lockett plays about 35% of his snaps lined up inside. So you want to have that, you know, roster flexibility of a wide receiver that can play outside and inside. That's JSN. He should, when he gets back and ramped up to speed, I mean, week eight and on watch out. JSN could be a real, like a real value for Seattle from fantasy. I don't know. I don't know. But in real life, uh, I love JSN for Seattle. And if anything, this is a fantasy take. I think it'll help Geno Smith quite a bit. Yeah. And I think people are expecting regression from Geno. Mm-hmm. You're suggesting it might be otherwise. So I kind of like he's going to maintain. Yeah. I, I think he's going to maintain and or take a step forward. Like love how it. crazy would that be if we saw Geno Smith take a, 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 a step forward uh, at this age? He's, he's come a long way since being reviled for ending Eli's streak. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Although it really yeah. wasn't his fault. He's kind of, he was nope. just the, he, he just caught some shrapnel as the innocent bystander there. But uh, anyways, I think that was hilarious. Uh, Zay Flowers. Yeah. Interesting player. Uh, again, I don't, it's, it's really hard to project what a player is going to do when you don't know what the offense is going to look like. Uh, Todd Munkin's system. It, we know they, they, they'll throw it around. We're thinking that they'll throw it around, but at the same time, you know, he's worked with guys that like to throw it around. Is Lamar Jackson that dude? He wants you to believe that he is. I'm he said he's going to so throw sure. for 5,000, even I, though he's never thrown for four. That's what I mean. You know, like he wants you to think that that's him. And it's like, yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so, again, uh, I think there's going to there's gonna have to be some kind of marriage between OC and quarterback, and, and we'll see if that marriage works here in the first year of this Munkin system. Um, but, you know, look, they've got Rashad Bateman, who should be their starting X receiver. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. can play some X, but he, you know, I, I think he operates probably the best as like either in the slot or flanker, given the injuries, given his age. OK. Um, and then again, Zay Flower works into the mix. What I really love about Zay Flowers is that, again, 
uh, pretty good man beater, pretty good zone beater. Uh, and, and his role on the team as a movable chess piece, as an inside-outside man, I think will do wonders um, for Baltimore. And at this point in their all of their respective careers, Jeff, I don't think it's that hot of a take to say Zay Flowers is the most explosive player among the three wide receivers that we've listed. Again, given the age and given the injury history, I just don't think it's that hot of a take to say Zay Flowers might have the most juice among those three guys. For sure. I, I'm still kind of a tiny Bateman stand, but mm-hmm. you know the never-ending yeah, you know, leg and foot injuries kind of give me a little bit of pause, to say the least. Right. Yeah. All right, uh, a couple more. Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice, man, like I, I get, I know why people want to love him, and um, but again, we just spent uh, a good portion of this show, and I've talked about it on my show a lot. Rookie wide receivers don't do good in in Andy Reid's system. Um, not only that, of among all of the prospects charted in from 2022, Rasheed Rice came in at the absolute stone cold worst versus man coverage. 45.7 percent success wow. rate versus man is the worst by a country mile. The next lowest guy is Xavier Hutchinson at 61.4%. Rasheed Rice at 45%, bro. That is a no-go for me. Um, so I, and, and I think people will say, oh, well, he was banged up. I get it. I understand. Um, and that, I'm sure, impacted that score. But to be that far off, to be that low, um, I'm not sure I 100% buy that. That that would suggest to me that he was so injured he shouldn't be playing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, he's not a consistent man beater. He was also slightly below the collegiate league average uh, in regards to success rate versus zone. Um, so yeah, I'm not really feeling that. By the way, among all the prospects charted last year, Rasheed Rice clocked in as the third lowest zone beater uh, wow. among his class as well. So worst man score, Third worst zone score, a rookie playing Andy Reid offense. Again, hard pass for me. I think Rasheed Rice has a long way to go. And he did this in the for SMU in the in Conference USA too. So that's correct. Yeah, that, not seeing the highest level of competition. Yeah, that that gives me significant cause for pause. All right, one last one. Jonathan Mingo, maybe getting a significant time in Carolina given uh, the injuries already stacking up there. Uh, and just no. lack of like direct you know, lack of an established co- uh, starting core there. Um, I, I don't even know what we're doing with Carolina in general. You know, yeah. maybe Miles Sanders walks into 50 targets or something. I don't know. You know, like, is he going to get 50? Is he going to catch 50 balls? Because it's almost like he has to. DJ Chark uh, is banged up um, and he's always banged up. Right. Yep. Uh, and then on top of that, I, I, I really wanted Terrace Marshall to be a thing this year from an athletic profile you know very intriguing player you know 6'3 210 pounds ran a sub 4 440 um and he can jump right so good athlete i i really thought that okay he's away from you know the old regime he's running into now a more professional opera operation here with frank reich um but man the back injury it's uh, the back injury concerns me you know um, at this point in the season, uh, we haven't even started the season yet, right? Like how is that going to flare up? Uh, and how much is that going to impact his mobility? Cause by the way, he's not the most mobile guy in the whole world anyways, it's great straight line speed, uh, as we mentioned, but, um, you know, can he sink his hips and, and come back on, on a dig uh, yeah, yet to be seen, you know what I right. mean? So, um, 
I really wanted it, it to be a thing for him. But Mingo now has an opportunity um, to kind of sort of be a, like a power slot player. The way Matt charted him, he, it, he didn't look very good. And I, I would say this, too. It's just like he, I don't think he looked great as an outside X guy. You know, but I think if you run him in this like Debo Samuel type of power slot role where, you know, you generate touches for him and, and you kind of let him kind of get a full head of steam and, and get out and go. Uh, yeah, he could do some things. And again, we talk about target share other than Adam Thielen. I don't know who the hell's going to catch footballs for this Carolina Panthers team. The only reason I'm not all in on Mingo is because I think Carolina is going to be one of the worst offenses in the NFL. They're going to be so bad um, that I just I'm wondering what is the upside for Mingo. I I just don't know. Will he see targets? Sure, but what's the A dot going to look like? Um, and, and what's the touchdown upside for Mingo? I, I don't. I just don't see it. I just don't see this team scoring a lot of points, Jeff. Yeah, and that that line play is a, is a good starting point for that too. Oh, I mean, yes. they're get, they got bullied around so far in the preseason. You got a rookie quarterback with a shaky offensive line. Yep. Yeah, I can I can see the trepidation for sure. Any other rookie wide receiver that we haven't mentioned so far that you want to point out? Hundred percent, man. I am all in on Marvin Mims. I love Marvin Mims. Um, I, first of all, if anyone knows me and the brand, like I love forty times. Obviously, Marvin Mims uh, has a great forty time. He can absolutely fly. Highly productive player at college, so he's used to being the man. Uh, which, by the way, that's not like a metric or anything, but it it does matter, you know, to me. I, I think I think having those expectations and meeting those expectations. Uh, to be the guy in college, I think that matters. I think I really do think it matters. And in Denver, people want to look at Jerry Judy as this clear-cut number one. Boy, I, to listen, Jerry Judy's got some separation issues, man, okay? Like, he is not very good against zone. One of the worst zone scores that we recorded um, in 2022 was Jerry Judy. So that's not good. Um, he's, a, he's an average, you know, man-beater. Uh, but again, if you're anticipating this guy to be your true number one, I just don't see it. Marvin Mims, by the way, Sean Payton, how many times have we seen a speed slot guy in a Sean Payton offense have pop plays? And I think that's what we'll see early on is Marvin Mims seeing some shot plays and really just having like one or two explosive plays, you know, every couple weeks here. Um, but he's a stash and hold guy, man. I freaking believe in Marvin Mims. I love Marvin Mims. Um, with the injuries racking up in Denver as well, um, he has a clear runway to be the third receiver in 11 personnel. And I think he has the skill set and the speed and the explosiveness and the hands and the route running ability to overtake Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton as a potential, you know, top target earner in this Denver offense. I love it. Love hearing that. Um, good stuff there. All right, let's hit some uh, Q&A before we sign out real quick. Uh, we had one way early. Uh, Foxborough says, this is this is more of a general uh, kind of a, a, a draft strategy question. He's in a 16-team league, and he's got the 16th pick. Head-to-head, -head, oh. you know, obviously head-to-head, -head, but points league, uh, you know, half-point PPR, excuse me. Uh, what would you do in that situation? You're on the turn in a 16-teamer. Um, I'm, I'd be, I'd be interested on your take on this, Jeff, because 16 teamers, especially picking at the turn is so hard. You really have to just almost forget about ADP in a bit, um, and just go get your guys. Cause you know, the guy that you want, you're not going to be able to stretch any picks out. That's what sucks about picking 16th overall in a yeah. 16 teamer. 
right? So you can't stretch picks out. Um, I don't know, but I almost feel like taking, is Kelsey going to be there? Is Mahomes going to be there? Stacking that up at the 16-17 turn, I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, it is. Um, I haven't seen Kelsey drop that far too often, but you never know. Um, that I think, especially if you don't have third-round reversal on a 16-teamer, I mean, I, I think I might be thinking in terms of coordination like that, thinking of taking some chances too, high, higher upside players, because you're not going to benefit from any windfalls. That's one thing. When you're, when you're at the turn, you're yeah. going to start runs. You're not going to try to you know, True. Take, be the beneficiary of them, that's for sure. Yeah. So again, I don't know. I don't, what, what would your take be, man? Like I, I again, I, I do wonder, um, you know, taking quarterback that early is always a little bit risky, but in a 16 teamer, by the way, 16 teamer quarterback has a lot more value, Heck a yeah. lot more value in 16 teamers than in your traditional 12 teamers. Cause you can't stream as well. Right? Yeah. And so, if, if Kelsey does make it absolutely do it because you're yeah, going to, you know, that pick. six tight end 16. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're hammering that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, and the thing is, especially this year with QBs going earlier than ever, um, I, I think you are going to see, you know, I, I, I could see that doing that a lot easier. Uh, Famous Jay asks, uh, Justin Ross or Michael Wilson? Ross Ooh. with the Chiefs, Wilson uh, with the Cardinals. I love this question. First of all, um, you know, I'm a Pac-12 honk, so, you know, excuse my takes here, but <laughs> I do yeah. like Michael Wilson a lot. I mean, this role uh, that he's going to have as, as an outside receiver um, for Arizona is interesting to me. And just from a uh, volume standpoint, it's Hollywood Brown and who, right? It, it might be. He's Michael the only Wilson. big guy they have too. That's only the thing. He's the only big guy they got. Everyone else is tiny, you know? <laughs> so yeah, this goes back to my Carolina point though, right? Like I want to love Mingo. I love his yards after the catchability, all these type of things. Right. Um, but it's like the offense is going to be so bad, Jeff. Oh, it is. Arizona's offense is going to be so bad, man. Uh, and we know Kansas City's offense is going to be really, really good. But can Justin Ross get on the field? That's the real question. You know, it's like we know MVS is back. He's going to be he's going to have a starting role, most likely. Justin Watson, they love Justin Watson. Like they can't stop themselves from playing Justin Watson. who right. played Like 90% of the snaps last year. Um, so yeah, no, uh, can he crack that roster? Can he crack that starting, um, wide receiver room? I, I, I don't know. Um, we know that before all the injuries piled up, he was a great prospect at Clemson. Um, but can he be that guy for Kansas city? Uh, either one's a, a good dart throw, man. But, uh, but certainly I think Justin Ross has a little bit more upside given the offense, but boy, he's got some work to do in terms of passing guys on the depth chart. Agreed. I like Wilson better, but I also agree with your point about Arizona. To that point, I, Washington is my favorite defense to take in the last round as a, as a streaming defense for week one. They host Arizona in week one. Oh, nice call. Beautiful call. Yep. Lauren Jump asks, who's in more fantasy leagues, me or you? <laughs> I'm going to say Jeff for sure. I, I go out of my way to limit the number of, uh, of leagues that I'm in. So I have a hard rule. I, I cannot be in more than seven. Oh, you're, um, I'm so, definitely more than you. I'm, I'm doing like seven in the next seven days. I feel like so. In <laughs> no, fact, I, three on Monday, uh, I, I overbooked myself. I didn't realize no. that I, you know, du I, I didn't realize I double booked. Then I looked, Oh crap. I triple booked one's an auction. It's oh going to be insane. Wow. But, that's hardcore, Jeff, that your, your brains, you got to split your brain up. Man. Oh, like, and it's is, already splintered too. Tough. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. No, um, I, I try to limit myself I, and I, and I say this by saying seven leagues 
and I will allow myself three like charity leagues where like, you know, maybe I don't right. quite necessarily care about the results. Right. So, but certainly it's got to come in less than 10, uh, generally less than seven. So, you know, just, uh, it's just for me, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't, um, I don't, I like having some rooting interests, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, when you get past like five, like your rooting interest really start to diminish because you have so many players on so many teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, this is why I can never be a good DFS player um, because I can't do the, the the 200 entries in a contest. Oh, forget yeah. the bankroll issues for a second. Just right, for, exactly. just putting them in, and yeah, I just that's just not me. Um, I know, hey, there, it's a real skill, and people are good at it. I'm not. I know that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't. Yeah, that, I mean, first of all, like, I always, I always scoff and laugh at the the DFS bros that say that you know. Oh, you're bad at DFS. And it's like, I don't know if anyone's really, I mean, for the people who are winning a bunch of money at DFS, it's like, yeah, okay, there are some really, really good players, but most everyone else is just playing the max 150 entries. And then again, they've got their spreadsheet and their, you know, and their thing, and and they're just running it off of a, it's like an algorithm. Does that take skill to, to run 150 entries? I don't know. Maybe to design the algorithm. Yeah, that, that takes skill for sure. Yeah. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got any kind of knowledge about, you know, uh, a football or anything like that, or, or even fantasy for that matter. It's mostly just you've built a decent algorithm and you're playing max, you're the max entries and you're going up against somebody like, like myself. I might have five entries in a pool, you know, it's like, right. shoot, I'm dead money most of the time, you know? Exactly. Well, that's why I don't play the big contests. Yeah, 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 same. same you know, same. I'm, I, it's, it's, it's akin to not playing the lottery. You know, I'm better at <laughs> math to go. know that I'm not good at yeah. that. So, correct. Exactly. All right. Um. So, what do you guys got going on reception perception? How can people find your work? Hey, go to the website receptionperception.com. Uh, again, our our big you know flag plant this year is that you know we added quarterback charting, um, and all that data is now uh, part of that subscription. Um, and then again, if you guys just want to find our podcast too, we, um, I think we do a pretty good job really breaking down all the wide receivers in the NFL talking about going beyond the numbers. Like I get it. We, we, we're an analytics website, uh, what we do at, at RP, but it's like, you know, as with any stat, you know, or stats, you've got to add context to it. And I think that's what we do really well. Um, at reception perception, it's like both Matt and I are just football nerds. We just sit there and watch games all day long. Uh, we watch game tape. We grind tape all day long. Um, you know, I'm not doing the charting, but I tell you right now, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to grind on the, on the tape and just like, look at guys that I like, look at for traits that I like. Is this guy sinking hips? Good. Is he like separating at the stem? Good. You know, I do that for running backs, tight ends, all these guys. Um, and yeah, I think our podcast, and you can find the podcast anywhere, um, I think we do a really good job uh, of trying to add context and nuance to, to some of the box scores um, that are posted each and every week. Very good. He is James Coe. You can follow him on Twitter at James D. Coe. You can read him at Reception Perception, listen to him on the podcast, check out his YouTube page, you name it. James, super pleasure talking with you today. This hour just flew by. Yeah, it did. I, I love talking to fantasy folks, man. And um, it, it's like we could do this for six hours. Not a problem. Easy. Uh, exactly. That's great, man. It was great talking to you. All right. Uh, thanks, to everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back at you again next week with a new guest. But uh, tomorrow, we've got uh, Mario and John McKechnie. Tune in for that. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.